Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to bring Michael Weston to the show. This month marks uh, Mental Health Awareness Month in the US. And so this brings me to Michael's story, which is an incredibly powerful story that I think every listener needs to listen to. He's from Perth, Western Australia, public speaker, advocate for mental health, uh, and previously was in senior roles within the mining industry until his life changed forever. Michael, welcome to the show. Really excited to have you with me. Hi, Eric. Um, Thanks for letting me join you today. Really looking forward to our chat. Absolutely. So, so let's start with your story, because uh, when you shared it initially with me, it 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 was very powerful. Really hit home. So, tell me a little bit about your story. Sure. Um, so, just for the people that are listening, um, fifty-five years of age, uh, live in Perth, Western Australia at present. Uh, I have been happily married for fifty-five years. Uh, not fifty-five years. That's my <laughs> age. I've been happily married for 30 years this year, Um, three adult kids, a couple of grandkids, so life's pretty good these days. Um, But I've, my career background, I worked with uh, Rio Tinto in the iron ore sector um, in mining in Mm -hmm. uh, what's called the Pilbara uh, region in WA. So the Pilbara is about 1,600 kilometres north of Perth. Uh, quite an arid area, very dry and hot, around the 40s to 50 pluses, um, but a beautiful part of the world, a lot of red earth and um, uh, fantastic landscapes. So I was working with uh, Rio Tinto for uh, 16 years. Uh, it was a great career that I had with them. Um, my, my previous role, my last role with them before leaving the business in 2015, uh, I was a maintenance superintendent in a place called Dampier on the coast mm-hmm. in the Pilbara. And um, I was uh, overlooking probably about 200 staff, 30 to 60 contractors would come and go every week because I was a maintenance shut overlooking two ports in mm-hmm. Dampier. Um, and I suppose uh, responsibility, accountabilities, we're looking after the maintenance shuts week to week. Um, teams like uh, fixed plant uh, workshop, um, light vehicle, heavy vehicle workshops, um, the craneage and transport teams, and also conveyors. So quite a diverse group and mm-hmm. uh, geographically sparse over over um, those two ports. Um, so that's a little bit of my background anyway, the, who I am and where I came from. So, so what happened? Um, there, there was a there's there a very impactful moment. Tell me a little bit about that day and and how how it changed um, in terms of of your your life and 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 the flow on effects. Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose the 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 role I was in was um, considered, um, or back then 
it was considered a burnout role. <laughs> you know, it was a very okay. front line, uh, was always go, 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 highly demandful, demanding, uh, highly stressful because, you know, maintenance shuts. Mm. We've all got Gantt charts and, you know, we're on a time restraint. Um, Costs a lot of money. Safe, <laughs> yeah, right. and safety obviously is paramount. So, you know, you've got to deliver on time and obviously in a safe way. So um, you had a lot of uh, stress and demand on your shoulders, but mainly the people and the time, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, as leaders, uh, for me, myself, is we get caught up in this vortex of, of, of work and we just tend to just work, 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 and we forget about looking after ourselves and um and everything else around us including family friends so for me i was on a, a slow spiral i suppose is um just starting to become exhausted and mm -hmm. that was clear on the day that i woke up on the 19th of april in 2013 and what i'm about to share with you your viewers um your listeners today is I don't actually remember anything of this day. Um, mm -hmm. I have no recollection recollection of this day. So my wife tells me we wake up like any other day. Um, we'd wake up at 4.30 every morning, jump in the shower, throw the high-vis clothes on. We'd chat around the kitchen table, having a cup of tea, bit of toast, talking about the day ahead for both of us what the kids were up to, what sport was going on, and most importantly, what fish we were going to catch on the weekend. <laughs> um, but my wife says my, I suppose, my my characteristics and mannerisms had quite changed that morning because I was very much a, a have-a-chat type of person and I was mm -hmm. very non-coherent, if you like, just nodding and hmm. saying nothing. Um, but she didn't, um, she just put that in the back of a brain, brain's trust, if you like, and thought, oh, okay, well, We'll just put that in the back and um, see how the, the morning goes. Um, but when I went to brush my teeth and come back and kiss my wife goodbye, I she could see something was different in me again. Mm -hmm. And she actually asked the question, you know, are you okay? You know, the reason why I'm asking is because you normally in the morning I can't shut you up. Um, <laughs> and you're just quiet as a mouse and there's something about you that, your persona, I don't know, there's something different. And my message to her was, my, I don't know what it is, but I feel nervous under my skin. And for mm. her, those words were unlike me. And she thought, oh, okay, so nervous under your skin, what, what does that look like? Sure. You know, um, What do you mean? I said, I actually don't know. Um, she goes, well, I'm really worried about you driving to work. You know, I don't want any an accident to happen. Or I said, oh, I think I'm okay. I think I've just got a, a large um, shut going on, and I think I just need to get there, get the teams moving, and I think I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. So I kissed a goodbye, and I walked out the front door. Um, and I was found about five to six minutes later by my neighbour, uh, laying face down on my driveway, um, lying unconscious, not breathing, and in his words, was um, uh, unresponsive, white to look at, and cold to touch. So I wasn't mm. in a great space. Um, mm. My neighbour did CPR. I, I came back to life, if you like, um, but I kept dipping in and out of consciousness, so he 
raise the alarm with my wife. Um, one thing I'd like to share with mm. people that are listening today to 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 let people understand how much our lives in our work can consume us is that my wife, as she came out the door and she was obviously quite overwhelmed by what she was seeing, right. um, she had my head in her lap and she kept saying, you know, this is not your, your time to leave. This mm. is not your time to die. And my wife and I laugh about it these days because if you don't, it becomes morbid, you know, and you don't learn right. from things. But um, one of the things I said to her was, um, I'm going to be late for a meeting. <laughs> so, you know, she even says these days, you know, like if you hadn't have died that day, I was, I was going to kill you anyway because, like, who says that <laughs> on the driveway, you know, on their darkest hour? So... Yeah, and I went to hospital. Uh, I don't remember anything of that, but I same, seemed to come to towards mm -hmm. um, the end of the day. They couldn't find anything really wrong with me apart from burnout, you know, uh, total True. exhaustion. Um, so I, I was told to go home and um, just take three weeks off and take time to rejuvenate and um, recover. Wow. So... so I mean, one thing is, is uh, it seems like, from what I understand, you went back to work after the three weeks. Yeah. And, and, and what happened at that stage is one of the things that I think Australia does very well, but I think you're going to share, maybe it's not enough, is the whole campaign around, are you okay? Uh, which yes. is very much an Australian thing. It's starting to, to shop in other places around the world. But tell me a little bit about what happened when you, when you went back to the workplace. Sure. Um, it was probably a good thing in my mind or my gut. My gut told me not to take my work vehicle and to jump on the company bus um, mm. from where we resided, which is about 10 minutes uh, away from Dampier, where I work. It's a place called Caratha. So if something told me to jump on that bus that day because I had, um, I had time to, I suppose, take my time to go to work, sure. just slowly get my way back into the superintendent role because I had someone babysitting the role. Um, so I remember jumping on that bus, but um, the, the, the feeling that I had as that bus came to the gates at Dampier to go through the boom gates on the site, um, I got that nervousness under my skin again, that same feeling as I had that morning through the, in the kitchen. Um, the difference was between then and now was my nervousness under my skin was now external. So I was actually shaking and wow. I was sweating profusely. I was sweating on my forehead, my palms. Could have squeezed my socks out my, in my work boots and filled up a cup of sweat. Um, horrible to turn the, uh, the uh, people listening right now if they're, <laughs> they're eating dinner <laughs> or eating breakfast. Um, but so I was really shaking externally as well. So I was trying to take a drink of water and it was like mm. I had a drinking problem, you know. And what I was to learn later in life, um, I was actually having a panic attack. So my body mm. was actually reacting to the gates at the workplace um, and telling me, don't go through those gates. You are not ready. Um, and our bodies are amazing. Our brains mm -hmm. are amazing that actually send all these warning signs as triggers. So if you don't know them, it's the first time that you really 
starting to understand what's going on, you just move on and get over it if you like, you know. Right. Um, so I did. I just pushed on and waited for those gates to go through, and I went through on the bus. Um, I I started to get quite confused from the time I went through the gate. Um, and in reflection, this was happening over three weeks at home. So mm. um, I was starting to become forgetful in my memory. Um, mm. I didn't seem to be able to problem solve very well. Um, my spelling was really out. Um, and I was quite a good speller, if you like. Um, even my sentences when I was speaking, I seemed to be mixing my words up. And I, and I don't mean as in what we do usually as humans and sure. we say hot when we mean cold. I'm really meaning is um, me mixing a whole sentence up and can't put mm. words together. So things were quite confronting for me going back to work um, and listening to a superintendent who was looking after my team at the time at the startup meeting and just just couldn't get a concept of what the hell was going on. And Interesting. to the people that are listening right now is if I was to try and explain this, articulate this way uh, for someone is it's like you knowing what uh, um, I suppose I'll put it in your sense, if you like, in your position, Eric, is, uh, you know, you have this podcast uh, mm -hmm. or you know what your business is, you know what your role is. And one day someone just switches off that light and you know who you are, you know what this business um, formula is, but you just don't know what to do. You actually don't know the process. And that's oh. what it was like for me. It's like someone flicked the switch and it's very confronting when the medical fraternity are saying, well, you know, there's nothing wrong with you <laughs> apart from burnout and exhaustion. Right. Um, but in my gut and my brain was telling me other things. So I was for sure starting to see cracks and signs throughout that time I was there. And I mm -hmm. never actually re returned to that role as a superintendent because as months went on, um, I think it was about three months that I was just trying to work my way into that role and things got worse and worse and progressively worse until I decided that, you know, my mental health was starting to take decline. So I, I actually spoke to my leader and said, Hey, listen, I'd like to self demote myself and mm -hmm. uh, had a conversation. Uh, and that's what I, I agreed to do. I ended up uh, demoting myself from a superintendent. Um, to a quality assurance, quality control officer. So I just, as a QAQC officer, I just went to work every day, went mm -hmm. to the startup meeting, didn't understand any instruction. Um, no. So you think about this as a safety point of view is no pretty kidding. scary. Yeah. Um, filling out a take five that I, you know, a risk assessment, right. that I had no understanding of what I was writing. My words were all mixed up on the page. And I'd put what they call as a camelback on my back, um, which is we fill up with water and yeah. um, drink water out of. And I'd walk for 10 to 15 Ks every day by myself, walking live conveyor belts and just looking for preventative maintenance. And life got very hard during that time. I'm sure, I'm sure. 
so when when you when you were going through this, um, what what was on your mind? How how were you dressing? How were your colleagues kind of checking in in terms of how you were? It's a great question. Um, so my I suppose mental health was starting to take a decline because I I couldn't do what I was educated, trained and competent right. to do anymore. And so I thought, well, I've, I'm starting to paint a pitch now that my doctor was saying that there's the doctors are saying mm. that I'm just burnt out. So I just need time. But then all these things are happening to me as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had uh, a workplace that I suppose was walking on eggshells as well, because I used to be their leader. Right. So now I'm part of their team and some of them are my leaders now. So mm -hmm. it's a, I suppose, a, a bit of a shift in the way people were thinking and, you know, right. how do we treat this person? But as I, I try to build that rapport with everyone else um, because, you know, I, I needed them to feel comfortable to, to who I was. I'm just a person mm -hmm. out here like anyone else working. And I thought if I do that as well, people can start looking out for me as well, you know. Um, and I found that people were always asking, you know, are you okay? You know, mm. people were on the pass and saying, hey, Mike, how are you? You okay? And I'd say, yep, I'm great, you know. But I had a facade. I had this <laughs> smile on my face go, yep, everything's great. Um, but I think for me is... I suppose for me, I, I had a lot of stigma about what was happening to me um, mm. because whilst people asking whether I was okay, are you okay? Is a, it's actually a non-for-profit organisation right. in Australia. It's just trying to mm. raise the that, I suppose, awareness of asking sure. your mate and your colleague how you are. But as they say, are you okay goes way beyond that. Um, it's mm. not just are you okay because are you okay is a closed question and right. it's going to get a closed answer, which they got, they yes or a no. So right. people weren't really pulling me aside and saying, hey, Mike, are you okay? Because, you know, I'm starting mm. to get a bit worried about you. You know, you're a bit forgetful or you're biting people's heads off. You know, that's unlike you. Um, but they didn't. They were just saying, are you okay? I'd say, yep, great, and I'm I'd okay. go my way. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, yeah, things were very much changing for me as well in my mind because I always thought that um, I was always raising issues with people saying, hey, I'm mm. getting lost in plant, I'm forgetful. But I suppose people, they weren't dismissive. They were just not understanding the situation, you know, and saying things like, oh, how old are you? Yeah, we all forget things or... You know, <laughs> at this age, we all mix our words up. So I was I was feeling that maybe it is just me, I suppose, you know. But people were out there looking out for me, but it was really a brush-by, um, passive listening type of situation, mm -hmm. not an active listening, you know. Yeah, and I think that's a really important message is how do you open that dialogue? And safety is a lot of conversation around actively caring. And, and when you think about actively caring, it connects very well in the mental health space in terms of if I know how Michael is today, then I should say hmm, something's a little bit different, right? And if I really know my yeah. team, I have the ability to say something's not quite 
the usual. And maybe I need to go a little bit deeper. So I think that that story is is very uh, very important. What what would you advocate a leader to ask? You said a little bit more probing questions. What other things can they do to to show that care for their team members to really check in if something's maybe a little bit different? This episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com. I think in reflection now, when I reflect on my time as a leader, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're obviously always focused on efficiencies and productivity, but at the front, obviously, safety. And I reflect on my time as a leader with safety is the, the times where you know, you'd be doing your observations, daily mm-hmm. observations of how the team is working, how the job's going, and you'd come across those those people in the teams that appear to have their head not quite in the task, if you like. And I suppose in reflection, I look back and I think, well, you know, it would have been a different conversation I would have today as a leader sure. compared to then. Because back then, I think as leadership whilst we had empathy and we, we treated people right, I think the right questions weren't asked. So for me, instead of, um, you know, Eric, you know, I can see your head's not in the game here today. You need to, you know, pick your game up and get your head back in the game, which is, you know, real. it's not shallow, but it's it really achieves nothing. It's really a kick up the bum, you know. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think knowing what I know now, is actually all I wanted when I was walking around plant was actually someone to a ask if I was okay, but take me out of that environment that I was in, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be off site, but away from the noise, people, because it's very confidential and people can be very, sure. um, you know, confronted by what they're about to tell you. You know, um, so I think. In my day now, I think I would go in that situation, pull that person out of that that task, out of that team, and have a, a real heart-to-heart one-on-one and say, hey, Eric, you know, I've just been watching you guys change that conveyor. Um, I can see everyone's working really well together, but I know you seem a little bit, you know, head in the clouds today. You know, is there anything that... You, you know, you need to tell me, is there anything mm-hmm. I can help you with? Um, right. Because I really want your head on this task, your your mind on this task, because, A, I don't want you to hurt yourself and I mm-hmm. don't want you to hurt anyone else, you know. And it's not that you're not going to be meaning to do that, but if your mindset's not there, if you're not present, um, this these things can happen. And... From that, you, you can actually start a good conversation, mm-hmm. you know. You're actually leading a person into, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you told me because, you know, I'm not sure if you know, but we just had a baby at home and, right. uh, you know, things of, of not getting much sleep and my wife called me this morning and just before I was about to start work, so she wants me to get something and call someone, so now I'm, 
you know, I'm confronted by I've got a work to do, but I've also need to make a phone call. So that would change totally for everything. me. I would, yeah. It would change everything. So I'll tell you what, you go up, make your phone call, let me know when you're done, and, you you know, I'll catch up with you and you can tell me that you're, you're ready to go. And I mm. think by doing that, you're showing empathy, compassion, um, and you're investing in that person. I think it's a really important point because somebody had shared with me even a story where a leader had found that somebody was a little bit different that morning and they were about to start some heavy machinery, fairly dangerous work. And they just checked in saying, are you OK? And they said, yeah, I'm OK. And then they went a bit deeper and the person said, well, in fact, I've been evicted from my home last night. I don't know where I'm going to live. Wow. And so <clears throat> not the time to be operating heavy machinery and, no. and just having that conversation potentially saved a life, right? Or, or saved yep. a very serious injury from happening. Just going a little bit deeper because you recognize hmm, something's a little bit different. And by doing that, Eric, I think you're, you're, you're changing that whole team's uh, perception of what mm. a team actually is, is looking out for each other. And right. it's showing that, hey, someone's got my back and I can open up mm. with my leaders and say, you know, things aren't quite right now. And I think we have as leaders this perception, if we give a little, they're going to take the whole lot, you know, and like, <laughs> oh, they're going to spin one on me and they're going to take the week off, you know, but it's the wrong mindset to have. You really need to be thinking in that space of what if this person has something going on and mm -hmm. I can prevent something worse from happening, you know, and I think we're a better, I suppose, place for it if we, we actually show some interest and empathy in people. Absolutely. And I think one of the things as well that strikes me about your story is you're normally we hear about uh, we talk about injuries that happen at the front line. What you what you're sharing is you were a successful executive, successful in your role, dealing with a lot of pressures, which are common in a lot of those roles, but can also even happen when you think about safety in an office environment. Same thing, there can be a lot of pressures to get stuff done. What are some of the things that as a leader you'd reflect that maybe you'd do differently or maybe you'd be more aware, change some of the approaches? Because we we tend to just go, go, go. We get things done um, and, and whatever comes, it's a badge of honor to get it done, which creates right. high, high stressful environments in a lot of organizations and, and in organizations sometimes in the safety roles, but even in roles that, that are in office-based environments. Absolutely. I think for me, it was um, the first thing was working longer hours meant I was going to get more work done. Um, mm. But it isn't working smarter. The longer I work, the more little mistakes, mistakes I made, sure. the one percenters, if you like. So um, certainly, um, when you, wherever you are in life, if you're at work, be present. But if you're at home, be present with your family um, mm. because I was never present with my family. I'd work at work and I'd work at home. And look, mm. there's nothing to say, you know, the, the goalposts have changed these days. Sure. You, you can work at home and from work, but have those those strong boundaries and have those those timelines that set that you up for success to say, well, you know what, I'm only going to work from uh, 11 o'clock in the morning till uh, five o'clock today at work. 
Mm. Um, why? Because I worked a few hours last night, you know, mm -hmm. um, while it, when everyone went to bed, I just did a few things. So you can still have that flexibility. Um, but in, the, in a perfect sense is you want to be present at work, have your work at work and your work at home. But we understand, you know, even with COVID now, we're all working from home, a lot of us. Yeah. Um, and as well, it's really important to have those boundaries at home because whilst everyone had that perception that uh, um, everyone working from home would bludge and, um, you know, <laughs> go to the shop and case. down the beach and that, um, it, the actual truth is everyone was working longer hours um, and well, there's maybe one percent, but 99 yeah, percent exactly. are doing more than That's ever right. before. Absolutely. Exactly. So I suppose my message there as well is for, and even as leaders, as leaders, we have leaders, is to have that conversation with both your team and your leaders to say, you know what, um, I'm, I'm not working after three o'clock this afternoon mm. because I'm going to pick my kids up or I'm sure. going to play sport or a carnival, but you can con contact me between six and eight if you need to, you know? So, right. and even in emails, you know, hey, I'm working my hours to suit, you know, my flexibility in my life. So, um, yeah, it's really about not only having the boundaries with yourself, but sharing those boundaries with others, you know, because mm. what we're finding here in Australia is, people are contacting people outside of all sorts of hours at home because I thought, oh, this is great. You know, before <laughs> I couldn't contact them at work because the office is closed. Now I've, I can just pick up the phone and call Eric anytime, you know, Lovely. and it's, <laughs> it's really inappropriate. And so we've got this silent burnout going on. The other thing with leadership as well is one thing I found is just the one percenters, those little things in life that you can look after yourself. And I'm sure that people listening right now, if I said to everyone, all your listeners, hands up to all the people that eat their lunch behind their desk. Mm -hmm. And most people, when I speak to them face to face, no one says anything, they just smile and then all <laughs> the arms creep up. Because we tend to do that as leaders, we tend right. to, you know, my work's important and I've got to keep going. And, um, and I think we tend to think that it's not real work, you know, it's, mm. it's work, but it's not labor intensive because we're behind a desk on a computer or in boardroom sure. meetings and things like that. So my message there is to take time out for yourself, be kind to yourself, uh, be kind to say that, you know, I deserve this lunch break and I'm going to mm. go out and have some fresh air and it's amazing what, uh, that will do for your, your your brain to rejuvenate and your self-esteem and you'll, you'll be more productive in the end. So there's all those little one percenters that, you know, we're just not kind to ourselves. Right. Is there anything an organization can do uh, to remove the badge of honor about working, working endlessly, right? So it's not the organization's responsibility fully. There's also the individual's a shared responsibility. Uh, but there is some things in some organizations, I think it's getting better in many places. But if you work the longest hours, you're that person. Like you, there's a badge yeah. of honor, you get the recognition, which I think also drives a sense of more hours will, will, will get me more success. Yeah, 
I think um, there's a couple of things there. I think the what I've learnt is um, the the more you give, the more they take. If you know what I mean, and I don't mean <laughs> yes. that as in um, businesses being ruthless and burying you into the ground. It's just like the old story, you know. It's still going to be there tomorrow, so yeah. it's just a bottomless hole sometimes. So yeah. be content with um, you know that list that you have for the day and say, be kind to yourself and say, I've gone through most of that list and what I've done is there 100% that I can do be done. My job's done today. So from a business perspective, I think um, I'd like to share with you, your listeners is a leader, one specific leader I had, the, um, a manager years ago that was, I suppose I really didn't, I suppose, apply this myself at the time, mm -hmm. but in reflection now, um, it's really made a big difference how I see good leadership. And I remember actually working back one night, it was probably, I'd been there from 5.30 a.m., it was about quarter past six. He was leaving his office and he said, hey, pack your stuff up, let's go home. And I said, oh, look, I've just got to just finish up this proposal, da, da, da. And he goes, no, 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 pack it up. It can't be that important. And mm. I said, yeah, yeah, I, I will. And he <laughs> went beetroot red, like beetroot red. And I looked at his face and I thought, gee, is this guy okay? And he pushed my laptop closed and he goes, no, I want you to go home. I'm not asking now. What I mm. want is I don't want you to be the... I suppose what this team is about. I don't want you to be that person in that team that shows everyone else that they're not doing enough here. So what I want you to do is stop. You've done a full day's work. Be happy with what you've done. Go home to your family, rejuvenate and come back. So what he actually did with me is he enabled me he gave me that tickle of approval to go, it's okay to have a life. It's okay to go home. And I approve mm. of that. I want you to do that. Um, and I think that was really powerful because um, in my past role, the, during the days of when I collapsed, it was more of a passing by uh, conversation of, oh, you're still here. Or don't stay too long. Have a great night. And that mm. was the conversation. So I suppose it's like safety. It's it's yep. like walking past something that you see, you know, the standard you set is the standard that's going to, you know, always be there, you know, or right. the standard you walk past is the standard you set. So that was my experience as previous leaders is just don't stay too long. Mm. Um, but this leader will actually really enabled me by saying, no, I don't want you to stay here. So I think businesses, even the business I was working for, had a policy to say that you can't work past 14 hours. Mm -hmm. um, but I would abuse that all the time. So, you know, and I was a leader. Um, so yeah. I suppose they're real admin controls, but we need leaders above us and like ourselves to say to our people, you know what, this isn't good enough. If you're not doing the, the work in the time that's allowed, um, yeah. we need to have a sit down and actually break down what's happening. 
you know? Mm. Are you overwhelmed by too much work or do you need further development? Do you need more help, you know? And I think that's a good conversation that you can have with your leader is saying, I'm not coping, you know? Mm. Yeah, I I think it's a really good point. I also like what you're saying in terms of having your checklist of things you're going to do that day and, and being comfortable that maybe I can't finish everything on that list, right? And, and I've given it a good shot. And maybe there's some days where you're going to be much more productive than others. And and that's okay, right? The, the days where you're maybe less productive, you didn't accomplish as much as you'd hoped for because there were more distractions and more themes or you maybe weren't 100% focused on that day. Doesn't mean you need to make it up with, with more hours necessarily. Maybe we just call it a day and start again the next day. Yeah. And look, that. It's, it's easy to say this when um, we, we all work as leaders in different roles, in different um, mm-hmm. businesses and different business, business models. Um, but, for example, with in a, in a plant, if a conveyor breaks, um, there's iron ore that needs to keep filling ships, yeah. if you like. You know, so mm-hmm. it's easy to say, well, you know, it's six o'clock, that conveyor can stop, you know. Um, <laughs> Right. It doesn't work that way. So it's about, you know, really having that balance and saying, well, okay, well, I might have to work longer this one, but I'm going to be right. kind to myself the next couple of days. So, you know, sure. we've got to look out for ourselves. Absolutely. Michael, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it's a very powerful message around broadening the role of safety, really looking at it beyond just regular safety as much as that's important, but also exploring in terms of how it connects with mental health, because we know these things are also intertwined with each other. But I think it gives a lot of pause to listeners that are executive uh, professionals or even people thinking about how do I extend the role and the impact of safety into uh, other parts of, of the broader safety? Uh, how can somebody get in touch with you if they're interested in, in, in having your, sto- your story shared with their, their employee group, their leaders? Yeah, um, I've uh, got a email address, so info at michaelweston.com.au and also have the same uh, name for my website and I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook as well under my own name, so Michael Weston. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate you coming in, sharing your story. A very powerful message as, uh, as we're exploring Uh, Mental Health Awareness Month and really thinking about what can we do to drive the dialogue forward Uh, and also for an organization to really reflect in terms of the impact that the pandemic's had and how it's taken a toll in a lot of people's lives in terms of the well-being. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy, distinguish yourself from the pack, grow your success, capture the hearts and minds of your teams, fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the ops guru, Eric McCroskey.